Flawcast episode 153, They Will Know. Real love is knowing someone's weaknesses and not taking advantage of them. Knowing their flaws and accepting who they are. Kristen Conley. Flawcast. Get in the arena. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, all of our esteemed, blessed, um, wonderful Flawcast listeners. I want to thank and welcome everybody for tuning in another week. And I also want to welcome and thank my partner in crime, Mr. Tuckerson, for sojourning with me another week. Good morning, Carl. How's, how's it going? It's going well, Mr. William. How are you? Oh, I'm... I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a riot today. Um, <laughs> Everyone is in place. I'm in my chair. You're in your chair, and we have been at my feet. Yeah. So everything is ready to go. It, it, it is. We are ready to go. I think we have a really good one for you guys today. So uh, let's just do the shake and howdy, and we'll we'll get about business. And uh, once again, thank you for listening. Uh, we're asking you guys to share. Please share these episodes. Uh, we, you can find us anywhere podcasts are under Flawedcast, CLE, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor.fm. We are on Rumble. That's under Flawed Inc. You can find us on our Project Mockingbird social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're on Parlor, Getter, and Gab. All those under Flawed Inc. There is a link below in the description where you can purchase a copy of my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual. Uh, I'd appreciate that. And uh, our email is flawedinccle at gmail.com. And uh, we want to encourage you, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send us an email there. We'll be more than happy to respond. Also, um, with uh, <laughs> what I think the, uh, the economy is being purposely imploded, uh, times are getting tighter and tighter uh, with the purse string. So I want to sew into people, if you'd like a copy of my book, Send us an email. Once again, flawedinccle at gmail.com. Be more than happy to send you a PDF copy on the house. But I'm going to release Carl for his second favorite time of the episode. Uh, Mr. Tuckerson, the floor is yours. Okay, everyone, take your right hand, place it over your left heart, and repeat after us. I I pledge pledge allegiance allegiance to to the flag of the United States States of America America and and to the the republic Republic for which which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It feels good to say that. It takes me back to kindergarten. It, yeah, it does. It really does. Oh, th- those were the days. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I, I want to... I want to set this up. I think this is going to be a good episode. Carl and I were just talking beforehand, and um, we both are kind of going through similar things with this topic. And what I want to share is this. Um, last couple of weeks, I've been really doing a deep dive um, and, and studying what was called the Jesus Movement, which many people argue was one of the last great spiritual movements in America, and I'm just looking at things that happened then, and I'm making a lot of parallels between then and now, and I think God's showing me a lot of things, but I believe that where we're at is the beginning of the end of the beginning of the end in regards to the potentially the last great awakening. 
the last great spiritual movement uh, where where the uh, the role will be called up yonder, as the uh, the old timers used to say. And um, I want to share something that's really been challenging for me because I, I've been noticing that there is one thing that moves concurrently through that move of God uh, and previous moods of God, and, and that is the notion of love. And I want to read a verse that God spoke to me. This is John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 from the Amplified Version. It says, I am giving you a new commandment. So this is Christ talking to his disciples at the time. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Also, you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. And I, what stood out there to me, and I, Carl has awesome things he's going to add, but I want to just kind of share my heart with what stood out there for me is when he says the world, that they will know us by our love. And I find myself struggling with that. And there's three types of love, and Carl's going to break that down. But the Christ type of love, where he says, you know, love one another as I have loved you. And I want Carl to get into this, but not to steal a slender, but it's called agape love. And it's, 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 hard, it's a challenging thing for me. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing, I'm being, uh, I'm being very honest here, but I, I feel like that's something that God's really been putting me in positions and situations where I need to learn that. And we were talking before, you know, don't, don't pray for patience because God's going to put you in situations to be patient through. And, and it, it just seems like recently we, we live in Lake County, Ohio, and there's a big school system. It's called Mentor school systems and there was a vote where some of the parents wanted this rule to be established where if a student feels like they identify as a sex other than what they were born they are able to go into that restroom and I'm really challenged by that one because I, I, it just is so contrary to the order of things. Um, and not that I'm unsympathetic to people that are struggling with mental illnesses and identity crisis and th things of that. Uh, God knows that we all do. But the thing that, that just really struck me was like, wow, I'm having a very hard time because while there's a small minority of, of students that are claiming to be affected by this, you know, think about the larger student's body that is going to be potentially affected, you know, like the thing that gets me is, you know, if I was a big kid in high school, I weighed three, 400 pounds in high school easily. And I'm just thinking like a kid, kids are bigger these days. And if a guy who's born a, a guy says, oh, I'm, I identify as a girl and goes into a girl's restroom, like that's challenging for me. Um... I really struggle with that idea. So that's kind of, you know, the genesis point. And what I want to really kind of chill out and discuss other than my confession that that's a challenge to me is I kind of wanted to go over a couple different things in Luke 
that uh, Christ himself talked about. But Carl, at this point, I want to invite you to jump in and, and speak your piece. One of the things we do when we tear scripture apart, like you would tear a car engine apart, it's one of the things we learn in college and getting a degree in theology is it's very important if you're going to do a deep dive in scripture to do a historical background check on that scripture. What were the conditions of that time? Who was Jesus speaking to? What was the crowd like? What was the culture? So in looking at John chapter 13 and beginning with verse 34, it isn't an accident that at the very beginning, Jesus says, I am giving you a new commandment. We're stopping there because the group that he was speaking to and the crowd that he was speaking to had been trained and had grown up by living their life with nothing more than commandments. It's very important we understand that. Hmm. There was no heart relationship with these people. Okay? Right. There was no intimacy with these people. These were people with the scribes, the Pharisees, tax collectors, Sadducees, all of these people that Jesus was speaking to. He knew his audience. He knew his target. And so he gets their attention right out of the gate, Mr. William. Hmm. He says, I am giving you a new commandment. As soon as he said that, their ears perked up. They stood at attention because he was speaking to a group of people that understood commandments. They were faithful to keep 600 and some odd Old Testament laws, not because it was an issue of the heart. It was an issue of being commanded to. Okay? Right. Very impersonal. Then he says, after he gives them a new commandment, that you love one another. Now, that's easy when it comes to phileo love. So, in the Greek language, it was much more specific than the English language. When we say love right now, we really could mean like. Very much. We love those shoes. We love those pants. I don't love those shoes. I don't love those pants. I have no real connection other than I think they look cool or they look good, but I love them. So our language has taken this word love and we have generalized it. You with me? Absolutely. Those cultures and that culture at those times, they spoke in specifics. So when Jesus says to them, I have a new commandment, they paid attention. Saying this guy has another thing we have to do here. Mm -hmm. And then he says, love one another. And then they're like, are you serious? That's no big deal. Because there are three types of love as we, as you and I were speaking of. There is phileo love or a brotherly love. Thus, we get the city of Philadelphia. That's the city of brotherly love with that root word being phileo. Then there is eros love. So when this culture was speaking of love, they spoke in specifics. The eros love is a love that you have between a husband and a wife. It's a sexual love. And Jesus is not making reference at this point to that. And I'm going to show you how I know, other than the fact that I studied the Greek and I saw that when he's saying love one another here, he's using the Greek word agape. 
Now, agape love is unachievable outside of getting there by and through Jesus because it's unmerited love. It's unconditional love. It's undeserved love, and it is unhuman love. We do not have the ability in us because of our sinful nature to embrace this kind of love. It only comes through the regenicizing of our heart, through the reconstruction and the rebuilding of our heart, through forgiveness of sins in us, through grace and mercy. And when we enter an area of being commanded, Jesus has shown you how important it is. And then achieving agape love, we have a mystery here. We have an enigma. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Jesus goes on to confirm that he is speaking about agape love because the people were feeling good about their self because they had the phileo love and, of course, the eros love. But then Jesus says, I want you to love one another just as I have loved you. Boom. There's your problem. (laughs) There is where you and I right now at this time in our life are saying we really know that we're commanded and we really know that we have to and we really know that we want to. But how in the heck are humans supposed to display the kind of love Jesus displayed, but he says right here, just as I have loved you, he laid the gauntlet down to us, Mr. William. Mm -hmm. Now, I needed to explain that so everyone listening to this podcast wouldn't just think when they hear that they are supposed to love, oh, check that off the box. Carl, I, I, I can call you or text you, Mr. William. Maybe you'll get an email from someone that can teach us how to love. Well, we're not talking about the two easy kinds of a love to achieve that are human capable. Mm-hmm. We're talking about loving like Jesus. What kind of love was that? It was the kind of love where he laid his life down for me. A dirty, rotten failure. He died for me. And even the scripture talks about how it's not impressive when a man would lay his life down for a good person. Right. That's anybody would do that Mm -hmm. for family, for friends, but to lay your life down for your enemy. That's where the impressive part comes. Right. That's the, (laughs) and, and, when he commands us, think of it like the 11th commandment. Exactly. And, um, and I love that you brought that out. That was uh, such a great thing. I'm, I'm, wow, I'm really just kind of taken back and, and I'm appreciative that you just added another layer to that, that I, I, I think is so important because I feel as if that moving forward, I don't know how it is with you, but whenever I go out either with my wife or my friends or whomever. Um, you, you just get this sensation that people are becoming the opposite of this. They are. Th- there, there's this general migration in the hearts of most people that, like Christ himself said, in, in the last days, the love of most 
will grow cold. And you can see that in uh, behavior. You can see that in, in people's driving. <laughs> you can see that in um, the the news and, and just everything that I feel as if we're inundated with that. And, and when he says, you know, he commands us and then he's, He's basically telling them, I am instructing you. I am, I am calling you to a higher level of love in the regard of you need to love one another like I love you. And which is, and then, I will lay my life down exactly. in this horrible, terrible, terrible death. And, you know, as you're, as you're saying that, or you're bringing up to light that verse of, you know, it's good. Most people will die for a good person. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah most people would take a bullet in place of Martin Luther King or Gandhi. Or, or even family, which right. is common sense, but not an enemy. Exactly. And, and I want to, I want to bring out a couple other scriptures here. Um, and this is from Luke chapter six. And I felt like this was kind of a companion piece. Um, maybe like what helps me with things are like real practical examples. So I kind of want to go through some of these. Um, we're going to read 27 to 36, uh, once again, uh, Luke six twenty-seven to 36 in the Amplified. But I say to you who hear me and pay attention to my words, love, that is unselfishly seeking the best or higher good for your enemies. Make it a practice to do good to those who hate you. And that's even as I read that, I just feel so challenged and arrested because it's like, that is not something that comes natural to me at all. You're supposed to fight your enemies, not love them. Right. It, it doesn't even... That's why I'm saying exactly. it is so much non-human no. that we don't even have the capability not only to do it. I struggle to even uh, understand or comprehend, the, like, yeah. let alone do it, right? I am one who... <laughs> Like, and this is my mindset. Like, I, I forgive, but I don't forget. Exactly. And, you know, I I struggle with the fact that I feel like I'm the kind of person who's like, I can be long-suffering, but once you cross whatever line, that's it. Like, okay, I'm good. You, you have your life. You do what you're going to do, and I'm going to keep moving on my path. And what I'm beginning to understand and realize is that that is contrary to what we who profess Christ are commanded to do. Uh, 28 says, bless and show kindness to those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Once again, very, very challenging. <laughs> uh, whoever strikes you on your cheek, offer him the other one. Also, simply ignore insignificant insults or losses and do not bother to retaliate maintain your dignity and once again this is the amplified version the way it says maintain your dignity that spoke to me of you know like the kind of person or the kind of man i think i am you know not refined but dignified in yes. a sense you know like even that is being 
call it on the carpet effectively. Um, and that's, that is hard. These are hard things. And when I was going through Bible college, I, I got rid of all of my books, but one, and it was a book by a guy named FF Bruce called hard sayings of Jesus. And I love that book. And I, I try to read it every so often just to refresh, but I, I like this, these scriptures, if you allow them, they will convict you and they will sting but in a good way. For me, this is at least where I'm at. Uh, moving on. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them either. Uh, so if someone takes something from you, give them everything is effectively what Christ is commanding us to do. Give to anyone who asks of you. Whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. 31. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Now, that that one might be a little easier. Yeah, but, I'd have to agree on that. Um, you know, I, I'm I, starting to feel like I have a chance here. <clears throat> right, exactly. I, I feel like that's easier, but I also, knowing how Christ teaches, there's going to be a zinger to that. On 32 here, this is where it goes back to the three types of love that you're referring to, yes. Carl. And this is, this is where I think the zinger starts. If you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And that's a pretty logical teaching right there. It, 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 it really is. There's, there's no philosophical, nope. spiritual, or emotional. Logic. Yeah, it, 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 you can't dispute that. If you lend money to those from whom you expect to receive it back, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to receive back the same amount. And here we go, 35. But love, that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. For your reward will be great, rich, abundant, and you will be sons of the Most High because he himself is kind and gracious and good to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, responsive, compassionate, tender, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. And when it says here in 35, um, but love that is unselfishly, seeking the best or higher good for your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And here's the kicker for your reward will be great, rich, abundant, and you will be sons of the most high because he himself is kind, gracious and good to the ungrateful and wicked. So what he's saying there is God is kind and compassionate and gracious to me. If I'm being transparent, probably more often than I realize walk in ungratefulness and in wickedness. And yet God is gracious and merciful to me, you know, and, and the, the term grace, uh, you know, mercy, it's unmerited. It means it's undeserved. And I think the, the challenge here is, and if I could paraphrase, uh, and hopefully this is theologically correct, we need to love those 
this agape, this Christ-like love, like that, you know, someone takes your jacket, give them their shirt, give them your shirt too, and don't think anything of it. Like, you know, all, you know, praying for the best or for the higher good of your enemies. You know, it, it's like hoping and wanting that somebody who absolutely de- rejects you, die, uh, just detests you, chews you up, spits you up, pray that they are treated better and more fairly and that their life is more rewarding than yours. But it says that our reward will be rich and abundant. And I don't think that's a prosperity, you know, I don't think God's going to give us a Rolls Royce with a 24 karat gold hood ornament. I think that reward is that we will be sons of the Most High. I believe that's the reward. And I, I'm, I'm genuinely at this point in my life really wrestling with this. Because it just, it's in so many regards, it, it just defies what, how I was raised. It defies how, as Americans, culturally, we are. And even to those who claim to be kind and loving, if you are not with their agenda, it's not reciprocated. Um, this is, like you said, Carl, this is a mystery. This is an enigma mm. That I I don't know if this side of eternity we're ever going to fully grasp. Well, we go back to the beginning here with where we started these scriptures in John. And Jesus was dealing with that crowd in that era. I almost feel we have somehow, as Christians managed to manufacture the same kind of thinking now that they had then. And let me explain what that is. The Pharisees and Sadducees believed the world would know that they were followers of Jesus by the way they kept commandments. That was what they believed. That was what they lived. That was how they thought. They were under the impression, and it was generational, that they were the children of God based on how holy they thought they were through the acts that they committed, through the law they kept. And when Jesus caught their attention and said, I'm going to give you a new commandment, that was, again, no accident that he said that. He caught their attention because that was a commandment crowd. That was a rule crowd. That was a law crowd. And then he broke their world, which is part of the reason why they hated him and ended up killing him. It was just another reason because what he's saying is all of you people think the world know you have the goods and that you're my children because you keep all these rules. But the real way that they're going to know you're my disciples is the love that you have one for another and the love you have for them. He destroyed their mentality. He destroyed their comfort level. It was strenuous to keep all of the Old Testament law. It's also strenuous, strenuous for me to have somebody walk up and slap me in the face and then I'm supposed to stand there and turn the other cheek. I'm halfway tempted to say I'd rather keep 600 laws than to let somebody (laughs) slap me upside the head and have to turn the other side of my head and offer it to them in love. So Jesus Jesus offers a new stress level here that says 
You've mastered the law. It isn't even challenging to you anymore. Now, I feel like modern day Christian has mastered this drawn up, rule driven teaching of Jesus. I feel that sometimes if we're not careful, it can be a bunch of good people treating church like nothing more than going to the Elks Club or going to the Knights of Columbus or the Eagles Club with their friends where it's just a thing. We have this Christian life so neatly tied together now in this era because why? Because we're not out doing drugs. We're not murdering people. We're not out on the street corner beating elderlies on the head with a two-by-four. So we see all of what's happening in society, and Christians and Christianity have taken great comfort in thinking because we're not doing that, that we are somehow following the commandments of Jesus because we obey laws and because we show kindness to like-minded people. Well, even Jesus says, we just went through it. It's not impressive. Even sinners do good things, he says. So, love. There is one way for us to achieve this, and it's called fusion. What the heck did Carl just come up with again? (laughs) Always coming up with these crazy, uh, what was it, was the last podcast. It was transition time. What this is fusion. The only way you and I will ever be able to love the way Jesus loves is that we have to see the way Jesus sees. We have to feel the way Jesus feels. We have to know the things Jesus knows. We have to have the desires that Jesus has. And if that's going to happen, there has to be this supernatural fusion where his mind, up to our ability to receive his mind. We receive his mind. We want to think like him. We want what bothers him to bother us. We want what excites him to excite us. There has to be a fusion engrafted into us that is not only forgiveness of sin that is in us now that makes us holy and righteous and stand in perfection when we stand before God because of Jesus. We have to be fused, integrated, genetically, spiritually altered so that the things of Jesus becomes the things of us. And that is not rules. And that is not law. And that is not teaching. And that is not routine. It will rock your world. It will shake your world up. It will blow your world apart. It will change everything about you because you're becoming more like him. Certainly, we don't want to change him to become more like us. So in this transition, somebody's got to do the changing. And I am willing to allow it to be me. And that is it. And one one final thing that only comes through intimacy. Intimacy produces fusion. Intimacy, time in prayer, time thinking about, time worshiping, time studying, learning like we're doing now. The hard stuff. Get in and study. Yeah. Intimacy. I'm so challenged by this and I'm so, you know, I'm at a point in my life where... Uh, I feel like there's a, a repositioning and a transitioning in many ways. And as I'm looking at the prospect of moving forward in that, I'm looking that 
a lot of the old mindsets and you know one of my favorite um episodes that you did was talking about how everything starts in the mind yes the every kernel every seed begins in the mind and whether it takes root and grow or it gets uprooted and doesn't a lot of that's up to us but a lot of these seeds or kernels that are in at least my mind it's like it and you know people can say oh well you know you you teach the bible and you you witness and you tell people about christ and and that's all well and good but i feel like in so many regards this is the missing component you know and for myself and i used to say when i was a politician it was almost like the the old Jewish culture or even current Jewish culture where there are 613 laws. And if you break one, you're guilty of breaking them all. So they, that culture was raised to do the best they could to not break those. Right. You know, it's like, you know, I get up in the morning and I have a routine. I take the dogs out. I go out. You can. Uh, I brush my teeth. I, the, I don't want to hear the other routine. Right. And the other thing you, know, you do. But you get up and you have a routine. You, you you go and you go and then you brush your teeth and then you wash your face. You know, it can get to this ritualistic point where with modern Christianity, at least American gospel Christianity, I don't go here. I don't partake of this. I don't watch this type of entertainment. I don't listen to. And okay, if that's your conviction, then awesome. And, and sometimes it, we think that that's how the world knows we're following Jesus. But he tells us right here. That doesn't mean jack crap. Right. And, you know, shout out to our buddy Tilson, who he created our theme song. Uh, but he and I last night went to the cigar shop right. and had a couple really nice cigars and had this incredible conversation about these same things. And the fact that we're in a place like that, it doesn't it doesn't wear on me. But I use this example a lot. I, I know how a lot of Christians it does. I my personal pur- purview is if Christ were alive today like he was 2000 years ago i think those are the places he would be well based on where and, we know he was when he was alive right he would but even more than that in in this idea of agape love and, and i'm not endorsing this for everybody but i believe that we are christ's hands and feet in this world I believe sometimes, you know, going to the highways and byways, a lot of spiritual people quote that, but the highway and byway stops when it gets outside of their comfort zone. Yes, it does. My larger point being is that I think we need to realize that if the law or if a list, a religious list of do's and don'ts were enough to save us, Christ wouldn't have to leave his home in heaven at the right hand of the Father to humble himself to be confined to human flesh. He who created all and through him all things were made, confounded himself into human flesh 
and cells and particles and DNA and all that and live this life and, and sacrifice what he sacrificed for us. If we could simply avoid watching rated R movies, for example. Yeah. And just watch pure flicks. Yeah. Which is a Christian streaming service. If that's all it took to go to heaven, then Christ's sacrifice wouldn't have had to happen. Let me end it with my participation in this podcast by saying this. I'll tell you how Jesus blew up today's modern-day comprehension of Christianity. He blew it out of the water. You know how he did it? People today feel good because of the rules that they keep. What do I mean by that? They don't go to the titty bar. They feel good about that. They don't go to the bar and drink. They don't go to certain places or they don't commit certain acts. And so because they don't do those things, they've kept those rules and they feel good. But Jesus spoke specifically to that. And he said, I did not come to destroy or abolish the Old Testament law. I came to fulfill the law. What did he mean by that? He said, I'll tell you how I'm the fulfillment because you people feel good because you haven't committed murder. But I tell you the law I'm talking about is that if you even have hate in your heart towards someone but have not committed the act of murder, you're guilty of breaking that law. When he said you feel good because you've not went out and committed adultery because that breaks the law, I say to you, if you have lust in your heart for another woman to look upon her and yet have not committed the act of adultery, my law says you've already committed that act. Why did he say that? Because Jesus goes to the intent of the heart. If you're desiring to have adultery, but not committing it because you think that that's what's wrong. My friend, you need to go to the root of the matter and you need to understand, why am I even desiring this? Why am I not battling the desire instead of battling the act? Which goes right to what you said. It's impossible to commit an act of any kind with your body unless it generates in your mind. And that was where we start. everything starts in the mind, in the brain. I don't care how impulsive the act is. If it happened and you did it, you had to think about it first because the brain tells the body what to do. So if people are feeling good because they aren't committing adultery, but yet in their heart, they're desiring to be unfaithful. Jesus says, I'm concerned about that. If you feel good because you feel that someone has done wrong enough to justify you murdering them, but yet you haven't murdered them. Jesus says under the, the law of love and grace, I say, if you allow that desire to resonate within your heart, even though you don't act on it, you have not allowed me to get that desire out of you. And that's why I said there has to be a fusion. We have to have the desires of Jesus fused inside us so we don't feel good because we're not doing things. We feel good because we're not desiring to do the things that are unpleasing to God. 
Right. And so that's where which I'm starts saying, in the heart and mind, not the fulfillment in the physical sense. The fulfillment is the destination. Right. It's the final act. And Jesus knew that. And that's why he said, if you've already taken the time to keep your eyes fixated on this situation and develop lust, you're just a second away from acting on it because the desire is in you. We have to have our desires change, our thoughts change, so that we don't take comfort fighting this flesh to not go do those acts while yet inside us the desires are still gaining momentum. Yeah. If we allow that fire to get out of control, we lose control. And then we lose intimacy and relationship and we lose our testimony to the world. So the world doesn't know us because we don't go to the booby clubs and to the bars and to we don't see rated our movie they know us when we display the kind of love jesus displayed as he did but we can't do that because it's not our love so here's the great mystery i'm supposed to love like him that's not human well no he knew that that's why we need a fusion we need his attributes characteristics and everything about him to pour into us every day that's called intimacy or hour by hour, minute by there minute, second by second. So that's all Carl has. That well, I think that's all I have too. We're gonna end it. Uh, please share this. I, this I I feel like this is probably top ten episode. Yeah, I think I, it. Yeah, I think it is, and because I, I feel more challenged, even like this is something I've been working on for like a week or so. Yeah. But even as we're discussing this, like I feel more challenged again. <laughs> and um, I hope you guys do too. And I hope this is something that you will take in and personalize and work on and ask God to give you that because that's the only way you're going to get that love, that agape love that we're we're talking about. But I'm asking to share. We're anywhere you can find podcasts. We're in Flawcast CLE. Um, we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor.fm. You can find us on Rumble under Flawed Inc. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, Parlor, and Getter, all under Flawed Inc., the Project Mockingbird social media. Uh, link below for a copy of my books, Miss Heart of Man Paramanual, and our email is Flawed Inc., C-L-E, at gmail.com. Um, send us any questions, comments, or concerns. Uh, but we will see you guys next week.